You're listening to episode 71 with Mimi White, human resources consultant from Montgomery County Environmental Services in Dayton, Ohio. This episode is brought to you by MasterMeter. Hi, this is Kathy Bernardino Bailey, Executive Director of the Greater Cincinnati Waterworks Department. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of women in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. If there's one thing I can be certain of when it comes to you, it's that you love water. And if you're a water utility looking to manage your water you love, then you'll want to talk to our friends over at MasterMeter. They understand that you can't manage what you don't measure, and smart water management begins with accurate measurement. Account for every drop produced and delivered because the utility's progression towards smart cities and IoT begins here. We're trying to be the game changers of communication, and our partner MasterMeter is here to deliver game-changing results for you across finance, customer service, and utility operations. They offer an array of products to meet your utility's needs. To determine which smart water metering solution is right for you, visit MasterMeter.com. And I think what, when we talked about it, I think to me, that's your stereotypes, your biases, and your prejudices. And I, I, I think it's funny because you'll always meet people that say, oh, I don't have them, but you do. Yes. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is, number one, is bringing it up to the surface and knowing why you have it. Oh my gosh, y'all. When I heard Mimi White present at UMC 2019, I was like racing up there to give her my card because I said, we have to get her on the podcast. And we're incredibly excited that we got the opportunity to talk to her about not only workforce development, but also uh, diversity inclusion. So the talent pipeline that she has worked with her people to create at Montgomery County is amazing and I love that it was built from the ground up with the input from the very people who are doing the work and also of course I love that she gives a shout out to communication and how absolutely important it is to you may be doing these great fantastic workforce development programs but if you're not communicating about them and telling people about them and getting people engaged with them then it doesn't matter how great the program is so and I love the absolute amount of empathy that Mimi has everything comes it comes through a human lens, whether she's talking about building the workforce of tomorrow or whether she's talking about how that workforce is going to be more diverse and to feel more inclusive to the people we have. It all comes from this root of just human to human empathy. And and she's just, she's amazing. I love her. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Melinda White, often referred to as Mimi, serves as a human resources consultant for Montgomery County Environmental Services located in Dayton, Ohio. In her current role, she holds the responsibility for various training, organizational organizational development, community collaboration, and human resources functions. As an active community member in Dayton, she is a member of the Advisory Board for Engineering Technology at Sinclair Community College, serves on exe- as an executive board member at the National Conference for Community and Justice of Greater Dayton, and she has served as an active member and contributor of the Ohio Diversity Council and National Diversity Council since 2008. Mimi has a bachelor's degree in management project management from Antioch University, as well as a master's degree in management and leading change from Antioch as well, and is a certified diversity professional. So Mimi, we are so excited to be speaking with you today. Super excited. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited too. Uh, ever since our um, our initial chat that we got to have in your presentation at uh, UMC, we've just, um, I've actually like mentioned you several times to other people that we've talked to. I was like, 
you wait till season three when we interview this woman named Mimi White from Ohio and she's killing it in workforce and diversity and all these things. So, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> Keep speaking me up. Keep speaking me up. <laughs> oh, we will. So, um, but I love that you actually come from um, a little different background than, you know, a lot of our guests. So we have a diverse range of guests, but most are from the water uh the water industry like through and through, but you have that human resources background. That's kind of the world that you come from. So, but now you find yourself in environmental and working in water utilities and, and that. And so do you think that you chose water or did water choose you? Water chose me. <laughs> I actually um, was making a transition in human resources from healthcare and um, came over to the county, which I thought was more going to be more government, mm -hmm. and then found the water industry. So, and I had to learn more about the aspect of water and soil water, and actually started liking it, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Not weird. It happens. Not weird. Small. It's a thing, Mimi. It's a thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> we we get we grab a hold of you, and then we just we don't let anyone mm -hmm. go. So. <laughs> Um, but as I mentioned, we, we got the pleasure of meeting you after your presentation at the latest uh, UMC in 2019, and you presented on workforce and the talent pipeline that you've created uh, at Montgomery County. And we're obviously going to get into that soon. But one thing that really stood out for us that I don't think enough people think about is that um, you came from outside of water, um, like we just said. But what was the first thing you did before you started designing this talent pipeline? Because this is what really stood out for us. Um, I actually went out uh, in the public. Because um, I have to tell you, when I came, um, the guys were like, don't trust her. She's after our job. She's human resources. <laughs> yep. She's going to fire us. Um, and so that was the first hurdle I had to get over, um, was letting them know that's not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. So I actually... Um, went and got a, a pair of boots. Um, it's funny, I thought that when they said they were taking me to the shoe store, I thought that they were getting me some fashionable shoes. It turns out <laughs> some nice work on shoes. <laughs> and I actually did ride-alongs. Um, I've rode on some vector trucks. I have gone into plants. Um, I've gone third shift. I know what manholes are. Um, I've actually been challenged by the guys sometimes. Um, they want me to pick up a um, sledgehammer mm. and um, try to break a manhole because they want to test. Okay. Oh, boy. I could take because they can go so few. But my boss was like, no, you're not doing that. You're not covered <laughs> for that. Yeah, we can't but, put you on light duty. Yes. She was like, no. But honestly, I found it uh, complimentary. Mm -hmm. that they would ask me to because uh -huh. that meant I was one of the guys. Um, and I think one of the other things is I've taken the time to know we have 320 employees. I know each one of their names. Mm, love it. Um, I try to learn a little bit about each one of their families. My door is always open. So they come and sit with me um, and talk with me. And it's not just about work. It's about what's going on um, at home. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I won't lie because uh, they just got done walking down the hallway. And so I stand outside my door sometimes and just wave and say goodbye and say, mm -hmm. you know, thanks for coming to work today. We appreciate you and you can work any place, but you chose to work with us, which sounds hilarious. But 
for them, the first time it happened, they looked at me like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. But now they stop in my door and say that to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't so, do it, they're going to think you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll say what's wrong with you. Yeah. Actually. I mean, and that's, what's funny. If, if I don't say anything to them, if I'm walking through, if I'm not kidding around with them, um, my guys will say, and I call them my guys because they're my family. Oh, so do we. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they will actually ask me what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, they look out for me just as much as I look out for them. So I actually feel like we're more of a family. But what's really important is the fact that I'm no longer the person that's going to take their job. Yeah. Um, when there's something going on out in the field, they feel comfortable enough to come and tell me. And they understand that whatever solution that is going to be given it was the best solution Mm -hmm. so and i appreciate that so yeah well that um when you said that in the presentation that just that stood us because that is very important to to arianne and i and taking the time to build those relationships i mean because we weren't even coming from the outside or as as human resources but we weren't field we weren't field ops and so it's Mm -hmm. weird for like why are these communication we were literally in the car on the carpet you know we weren't out we were in the back on the tile on the floor. tile. So we yeah. Were, we were carpet people, you know? Yeah. They, they used to call me that. <laughs> I have carpet <laughs> and they would say, we can't come into your office. Our do- our boots are dirty and you're a carpet person. I'm like, but there's a vacuum cleaner. Come on in. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're engaging with students early to get them inspired to join our industry and um, you're providing them with the tools, resources, and experience they need to make them attractive job candidates mm-hmm. for the industry once they graduate. Can you talk to us a little bit about your talent pipeline and the water utility technician program? Yes. Um, the, uh, they actually go hand in hand. Um, that much I will say. It started off that, as we know, we are, especially with operators, it's, fun to find, it's hard to find operators. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I say this all the time, we did such a good job of telling our kids to go to college. Yep. We should go to college. We we forgot about the trades. Mm -hmm. So now it's my job to start talking more about not so much not going to college, but talking about this, um, lucrative, and I'm going to say it's lucrative because they pay well, Mm -hmm. um, industry that's here that nobody ever thinks about. Mm -hmm. And so it was in 2013, um, I joined in with the city of Dayton and um, Sinclair Community College, and we sat down to figure out what can we do, what is a program that we could develop um, that will allow us to start building our industry. And that's how the water utility technician was born. Um, It has, uh, it's been like some of the classes are like EPA classes. So you have water treatment classes. Um, you have um, wastewater treatment classes, um, GIS classes. Mm-hmm. But the, the biggest thing is, is that if they go to Sinclair and just take that one class, um, a student could actually take that class, go to the state, take their test, and come to us and work. Mm-hmm. And it's not just for us. It's also for um, anybody in the industry. And what I loved about it is a lot of people said, well, you know, you don't know anything about wastewater, water. So how did you know what you needed? I went outside and asked our guys, they were more than happy to tell me, you know, and they actually helped. So it's not really, I built it. 
I was their mouthpiece, but I went out and asked them, okay, what do you need? What would you need to succeed? So what about communication? What kind of communication? Because they always said, we don't need sticky communication. We go, and I was like, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) As interpersonal communication, it has so many other things. So it's soft skills, technical skills, Mm -hmm. um, and everything that they would need to succeed. Um, And a lot of people laugh because once it was done, like, I was so excited. I was jumping up and down, and I was thinking, yay, look at this. I presented it to my boss, and she said, um, so how many people have signed up? <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's right, people have to sign up. <laughs> um, because, you know, I'm like, you, you remember that, uh, that, I think it's Kevin Costner movie, you know, If You Build It, They Will Come? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's not true mm-hmm. because it turns out that nobody's going to come if they don't know it was built. Yep. So you have to market it. So then um, I actually, that's when I started thinking that I would start working with students. And I go to some of our trade schools. I work with Sinclair Community College. And we actually have these tours. And the, the kids come in with the tours and they walk and they do plants and the water plants and um, trucks. And I have to tell you, I don't care how old you are, if you're a guy, you love trucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're climbing in and out of the trucks. They're talking about the trucks. Um, and I should tell you, I'm not the one that does the tours. I present um, beautifully why it's important to come here. Mm-hmm. I have done some research on what kind of, where do you want to go? How much money you can make in this industry? But let's be honest, I'm not the one that can do the talking. Mm-hmm. So I actually have our field op guys. Mm-hmm. I have field services guys from all over. And I keep saying guys, but females as well. Yep. And they come up and talk about their careers mm-hmm. because no one talks more passionately about a job than the person that's in the job. Yeah. Right. So, and they take the students on tours. Um, it was funny because I told somebody uh, recently that we, at one, one year, cause we could tour up to a hundred students at one time. Mm, nice. But, um, one year we had 69 students. The very next year when I talked to um, Sinclair, they said at least four of those students went into the industry. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Because some people may say, well, you know, four out of 69. That was four that didn't even. We'll take it. Yeah. This is how we build it. We have to take it a little by time. We have to um, crawl before we can walk and we have to walk before we can run. Mm-hmm. And so um, I appreciate getting that knowledge because it beca- makes me very excited to keep doing it. Yeah. And I work with college students as well. Um, sometimes I find a college student that doesn't know what they want to do. And I say, do you have a, bi- uh, a background in biology, science, engineering? And then I invite them in for tours. So nice. That kind of thing. So yeah. It's been kind of exciting when I get to bring somebody in that's never done it before or even thought about this as a career. Right. What I One of my things um, when we talked about this initially was, um, you know, when, as a water educator, public educator, you know, we had our round tables of similar positions, you know, every month we're talking about how we're going to engage the different grade levels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always had you know, I say easy things for kindergarten through, you know, probably junior high um, about all the different educational things we can teach them. But we always wrestled with how do we make impact or change to these high school kids? And it really hit me hard when we talked with you about, duh, their next goal or next step in life is this, this 
job. Independence. Independence. And like we can give them that immediately. Mm -hmm. So why not have that be our conversation ninth grade through senior year? And by the time they're seniors, they're ready to go. Yeah. And, and I will tell you the other thing that we've done here, and it's not just with the students, it's with displaced workers, it's with anyone that wants to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we have the college come in and teach at our facility. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. and that's Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, they come in, I book out a, a classroom for them. And the reason why we do that is when a student is coming in, and they're curious about the industry, yeah. isn't it nice that they get to come to a place where they could see where they can work? Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. just opening up that door, them being able to see the plant right across the street, right. them sitting in classes with our employees as well, because a lot of our employees attend the classes, mm-hmm. having conversation with them, it's another avenue to grow our organization and our business. Yeah. So that's another thing that we do here. Uh, and I didn't, I don't want you to beat yourself up too much about the whole field of dreams. You know, if we build it, they will come think as communicate as public educators. We did that all the time where we were so excited about a program and initiative and like patting ourselves on the back and then be like, Oh wait, like no one else knows about this. (laughs) But it is exciting when you're like, yeah, I got this. Well, so who's all enrolled? Oh, Oh, that's in there. Yeah. (laughs) And I love the I love that you brought up uh, the talking to you know people out in field ops about communication and them being like, oh, I don't need to know any of that. And you're like, uh, you do if you ever want to move up and be I don't know an assistant director, director of yes. facilities, um, yeah. all of those things. Like just because you can Snapchat and Instagram and do all that doesn't mean that you can you know craft a professional email or or things along that nature. So I'm glad that. Yeah, manage people and take other people to do that. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that kind of goes into my next question of, you know, getting people in the door is obviously an important part of solving the workforce challenges that we have. But, you know, to your point, so is nurturing those people throughout their career so that they're prepared as their roles in the organization start to evolve over time. And also that we're capturing that transfer of knowledge through succession planning. So how are you um, and your organization handling the succession planning professional development side of the workforce equation? Okay, so um, one of the things that I am tasked to do, which I said was training and development. Um, so we did some gap analysis of what we were missing. Um, And I first, let me go back and say that um, for a long time, because of the fact that our employees were missing some of uh, like interviewing skills and because people, it turns out people that were external, they could come in and they could interview really well. um, But our internals may know who knew the job um, could not actually um, interview well. Yeah. Um, Because they always felt like, well, you should know who I am. And that's not (laughs) the way it works. (laughs) So one of the things that I did do, I'm not the human resource person that uh, does a lot of the recruitment. I actually uh, backed off from the recruitment and became the person that would come in on the weekends and I would meet our employees here. Now, the one thing about it is, is that it's their time and it's my time. I always feel like I'm willing to give my time on the weekends, whenever, if they're willing to do it, you know? Um, So they come in and we sit down and we talk about how to interview. Um, One of the things I I found is, is getting, giving people the confidence Mm -hmm. that they know something and that they can talk about it. 
um, has really worked well for our organization. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, they, nowadays they're calling me the interview whisperer um, <laughs> because most of our employees actually receive the promotion. Um, not because they, uh, somebody knows them, it's because they can talk about what they know about the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because even when a person doesn't get the job, I always feel like the outcome is, is that they feel like there's somebody here that cares about them. The organiz- organization cares about them and where they want to go. So that helps with uh, retention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it goes to valuing our employees. Uh, the other thing that we have done is we actually have um, brought in, um, like being able to provide, to write that professional letter, um, knowing what out, um, Outlook is. One of the things that we've done is brought in Outlook classes. Nice. nice. Classes. Um, they take Word, they take Excel, so they're able to be trained in it. Um, they do it actually on time. I, I actually have a classroom here. The instructor comes in. I send them out for four hours. They learn everything. Um, they come back, and then they start using it, which is great immediately. Yeah. Um, additionally, we have what we call the boot-up program. Um, the boot-up program is when our managers and supervisors, they go out. They ride, ride around with our employees, not just their own department, but other departments too, because we need to know how we, can, how we work together. Mm-hmm. So because we have uh, water reclamation, we have our field ops, field services, and even solid waste. Mm-hmm. So we actually all blend together and we all rely upon each other. Yeah. So um, it has helped out. Um, we have started the program of speed mentoring which is like speed dating. Just ah. <laughs> so, um, which is kind of neat. They get to ding the bell uh-huh. and move from place to place. But I will tell you, it allows um, some of our employees to meet other supervisors and managers, yeah. other departments, and also get the opportunity to figure out, do I want to be there? Yes. So, um, and the strange thing that we do, which I think is funny, a lot of people are like, I don't understand that, is we have something called book club. Mm, I love it. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, I love it. So book club is really, um, it's one in which we bring in several supervisor managers, people that are on the track and we start them off with first of all, like strength finders, because I don't know if you've heard of strength finders by oh, Conrad. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it allows them to start examining who they are, mm-hmm. um, what kind of strength they bring to the table it shows them that um, everybody has strengths. It doesn't mean you probably have something of all of them, but what are your top five? Um, we have DISC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we move into other books like Good to Great, True North. Mm-hmm. They're all about leadership. Mm-hmm. Not just one specific kind of leadership. It's different kinds of leadership. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing we do is Crucial Conversations. Ooh, so, yeah. I am a, a master trainer of Crucial Conversations, so you might not know that but since I keep talking and I keep walking on my words <laughs> so I actually um, teach our uh, everyone in our organization it's actually mandatory for all 320 wow. of our employees that's awesome it's part of our onboarding um, but you go you come in because we want to hear what you have to say but we want to make sure number one that you can say it um, to a manager a supervisor accurately um, that you know about conflict resolution. Um, additionally, yes, I know that's a big one. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is amazing. So, so it's, 
and it's funny because once again, remember my guys are the ones that are like, we don't know, we don't need any stinking communication. Um, it's funny because they'll say, someone said to me even yesterday, one of their key phrases is, in my opinion, <laughs> How meaning, funny. I'm not sure that you're listening to what I have to say. <laughs> so it kind of makes me come back and say, oh yeah, you're correct. I'm sorry. Please begin again. But it's funny because even though they may use some of it jokingly, it's also a way when you hear the key words, since mm-hmm. we've all been there, mm-hmm. we, hear them, we know, okay, we need to do better yeah. because crucial conversations is really by about um, having good outcomes. It's not yeah. really about the communication. So uh, we've all been through a journey in my seven years here. Um, and the guys seem to, I enjoy the guys. I, I guess they assume they enjoy me as well. <laughs> I'm sure they, I'm sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> They call me their sister all the time. So yeah, I'm ready to call you my sister. Yeah. (laughs) Cause it's funny because as human resources, some people may, people may say, you know, that's not the way to do it. Mm -hmm. But for me, it really has worked. Mm -hmm. Um, They understand there's a such thing between personal and professional. Yeah. And they still keep it professional, but I think they trust me and I think. Yeah. Well, I love that you're investing in them and things that in a lot of other places they probably would not even be exposed to. And those just help them to be even better, even more well-rounded people, people, professionals, all of it. It's kind of like a a full package that you are, that you're turning your folks into. Um, I love that you brought up the frustrations and challenges of being an internal applicant um, because that really mirrors some of the frustration I would hear working in utilities is that some of them would stop even applying for, Mm -hmm. for positions because they were like, well, what's the point? They're just going to hire someone externally, but being able to actually invest in them and teach them the skills they need to do better. Like, because of course you want someone internally if you, if you have that option, because like you said, they know the job. So, um, I hope anyone that's listening hears that and and takes it upon themselves to invest in in their internal employees the same way because there's a lot of value there. And I think so too. Plus, you know, I a lot of people speak of money. They'll say, yep. "Oh, you know, I don't have enough money to be able to invest in people." A lot of the things that I do um, are not. It's not about money. Yeah, it's about time. Right. And I feel like if an employee is willing to spend the time, shouldn't we? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, so I really appreciate that. In so the kinda, of absolutely. Well, we're bragging on you, um, you know, fr- from already, but like, I want to <laughs> give you the opportunity to kind of, you've kind of already talked about some of the, the positive outcomes that have come out through some of these programs, but um, are there any others that you're seeing from your efforts that like you can share that would be a value to folks listening? Yes. Um, so for the water utility certification, one of the things that um, we did was we actually opened up a um, internship. So anyone that had um, participated in this particular uh, program had the opportunity to intern with us um, okay. and we've hired um, from that candidate pool. So nice. that was the other thing is that we're opening up co-ops, internships. We're building our own, which a lot of people don't have the opportunity to have. Mm-hmm. Um, the One of the things that we've had is um, some of the people that have taken the certification, I will say they have promoted. And when I say promoted, they promoted 
up pretty high. Yeah. Um, they've invested in themselves and they've invested in the organization and the organization has invested in them. And it's to me, um, that's some of the things that has come out of it. And like I said, with the crucial conversations, you hear the guys talking to themselves mm -hmm. and then they'll say something like, you know, is that your story or is that a fact? Because it sounds Ooh. like a story. So, you know, just even having those conversations yeah. um, and being able to learn more about respecting themselves mm -hmm. or respecting each other. Um, I think that's some of the positive outcomes that we've seen. They're not afraid to speak up anymore. And yeah. now they're speaking up not just grumbling down the hallway or screaming exactly. down the hallway. <laughs> they feel comfortable enough to knock on someone's door and say, can we have a conversation? Yeah, and that's great. That's a big outcome that has come from some of the training and development um, that is here. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And they're building better relationships with our directors and assistant directors. And stuff. I love that. So, I love the crucial conversations piece, you know, like women get a lot of flack for being catty and petty and gossipy, but I mean, mm. working in public works and water utilities for the past decade <laughs> or so, I'm like, y'all have no space to talk. You mm -hmm. are as bad, if not worse than a mm. bunch of women working in an office That's together. So like, so oh my goodness. <laughs> oh. Well, something I wanted to point out was, um, you know, we've, we've had conversations with directors and managers and stuff. And, um, you know, one of the things that they always bring up is we're growing in a number of employees. And while that's a good thing, it's also um, hard for them because they don't know who their new employees are or who, you know, who these new people are in their industry or in their organization now. And that's kind of bumming them out. So I love that you just gave them, you know, you, one person, takes the time to learn 300 and whatever number of people. Um, I know we're going a little rogue, but can you just kind of talk about that for a second about how, how do you, what do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I'm a networker. <laughs> really? You are? Yeah. That's your strength. <laughs> but honestly, I, I feel like, um, just walking up to someone and saying, hey, you know, I haven't seen you before. What's your name? Mm -hmm. um, goes a long way. It's, it's better than a number. People don't yeah. realize how easy it is just to say hello to someone. And the fact that people, when they feel like they're recognized, mm -hmm. um, you can see. It's a big difference. Yes. I'll, I'll never and, forget the day my city manager, my first couple weeks, months of working there. And he was like, we just happened to take the same back stairs every morning. And I always just tried to beat them by a couple minutes, but oftentimes we rolled in at the same time. And so we got to know each other and just him going, good morning, Arianne. I was like, oh my God, he knows me. <laughs> That's a big deal, you know, made me it feel really like, oh, okay. <laughs> because I will tell you, we have a new administrator here at the county. And that's one of the things that he does when he is um, at a meeting with, um, and it doesn't matter what level the employee happens to be at. One of the things that he does is he gets up and he walks around. He doesn't just sit with the commissioners. He yeah. gets up and shakes hands with all of our field up guys, everyone. It doesn't matter if you were in a tie. It doesn't matter whether you have gloves on. It doesn't matter whether you have the dirty boots. He's actually shaking hands and he's getting to know them. Mm -hmm. um, he may not know all of their names, but he definitely, cause he's not here all the time right. at our building. Um, but he's knowing he gets to know their faces mm -hmm. and he gets to know their concerns. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, one of the things that um, I find is 
just being able to say to somebody, how's your daughter today? Mm-hmm. And then being able to say, oh, yeah, she's doing great. Mm-hmm. That has been um, a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you carry a cheat sheet in your pocket. Like this person <laughs> has a daughter, this person, <laughs> you know. No, because you know what? I kind of relate to them okay. on, and I don't come out and ask about yeah. their kids. Sure. It, so my office has toys in it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the mm-hmm. Beast toys, stuff like that. So people, okay. some of the guys will come in. Why is that? My daughter would probably, oh, you have a daughter. And then they'll start to talk about their daughter. So you can make um, a connection with them. Yeah. So to mm-hmm. me, it is about making the connection. I can, I see people as individuals mm-hmm. um, and they may not look like me, but their stories and their experiences are something that I really enjoy hearing. Um, because I also feel like when they're running into problems, when their hearts are breaking, mm-hmm. they are okay with coming in my office mm-hmm. and talking about that as well. So I do go out of my way to say, Hey, how's so-and-so doing? Yeah. And, oh, so you have a puppy, right? And it just may come up. And if you ask me, Mimi, how do you remember all this stuff? I guess I can say I remember cause I care. Mm-hmm. It is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but I guess that's the way I want somebody to be able to treat me. I don't want someone to see me as a number. Um, I remember my first experience when a CEO walked into an elevator and he was like, hey, Mimi, I heard you got a promotion. And I thought, oh my goodness, this man has 15,000 people to worry about. And he knew my name. He even knew something good had happened to me. And I remember that feeling. Mm -hmm, And that's the feeling I would love to give someone else. Mm. Love it. Love it. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Um, in a conversation we had with you before, we found out that you're passionate about diversity and inclusion yes, and you actually teach this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about this and how you find your tribe in diversity and inclusion and why it's so important for workforce, workforce, workforce issues. <laughs> I think it's funny. Um, I actually... Um, came into diversity and inclusion when I was searching for a place in HR. Yeah. Um, and it was at my last organization. And it seems like I sat down into this seat and these people said, oh, and by the way, you're part of diversity and inclusion team. And I thought, this is great. So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> right. And as I learned more about what diversity was, the true definition of diversity. Yeah. Knowing that it's about differences that it's not about just race and gender i mean that's that's the easy part Mm -hmm. the important part is that everyone is diverse then what i found out is number one i grew up with a military background my dad always said the hand that reaches out to help you may not look like yours Mm -hmm. Um, and then i realized oh my goodness i've been living this diversity life all my life Mm -hmm. and so i started to meet people understand people and i've became very passionate about it. I think it just happened. And one day I woke up and realized, oh my God, I really love this thing. Mm. Um, And I feel like it's important as an HR person to understand where diversity and inclusion belongs because to make sure that you're aware uh, that everyone is different Mm -hmm. and because we're different, that makes us similar. Mm -hmm. Aware that it's not just about the harassment because a lot of people think, well, I'll know the discrimination and harassment policy. It's not just about that. It's also knowing that if you treat people um, equitably, can't get it out, (laughs) 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 that you're treating people, um, including people into things like talking to people, um, treating 
people as if they value, they're valuable to you, to listen to them, to have opinions, um, listen to their opinions, know that you can talk to people and that whatever they're saying, it, it's not um, bad. It's about understanding people. Yeah. yeah. So allowing them to even express their biases. Yeah. I think that for me, it helps because it helps you deal with the work for the issue that might be right there in front of you. There's a lot of times that people don't even understand um, some of the things that they say could be harmful. Oh, so yeah. I always assume that, okay, well, this person didn't mean that. It's probably good intentions. I mean, they had, they didn't have bad intentions. They didn't have bad motives. So it's my job to educate them on why what they said wasn't appropriate. Mm-hmm. So I think that as an HR person, it helps make me more um, fair. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be fair anyway, but um, just knowing that because this person said this and it was inappropriate, it wasn't really aimed at me. It was just something that they grew up with. It's something that they felt there was no harm in. Right. So, and I think that is really important for diversity inclusion. Mm-hmm. That kind of finding commonality amongst our differences kind of brings me to, to this question that I have is that, you know, there's some people who would rather go to the dentist or get a colonoscopy before they'd go to a class on diversity and inclusion, but not because they think that it's going to be boring, but because it's just not a comfortable subject for a lot of people, especially the people who feel like they're the ones that typically get accused of, you know, not being sensitive to those issues. So um, I really liked how you told us how you sort of level the playing field in your class from the very beginning by setting the tone and making everyone feel included. Can you talk to us about how you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, I do set ground rules, and that is what's said in the class should stay in the class, mm. um, and that we're here to understand, not to uh, punish anybody for their opinions or anything. So um, I actually do a, some icebreakers. Um, my favorite icebreaker um, before I talk about diversity itself is to um, have people, it's called Stand Up for Diversity. It's not mine. It was in a diversity training book. And, um, and I actually did it today because I did a diversity orientation today. Nice. And, and it's, it, you know, I kind of say things like, stand up if you're a single mom or parent. Stand up if you were raised by your grandparents. Stand up if you were raised in an urban um, environment. So I throw out things that are so far from um, what people think is diversity mm-hmm. that I bring it um, to the forefront that diversity is just about differences. Mm-hmm. And I usually tell people, okay, so we're all different. And so that helps people understand that part. But then the occlusion part, um, the icebreaker that I use is one called um, on the outside. Um, it's one of my favorite ones, mainly because um, when a person thinks, oh, I've never, like, I usually ask the question, you know, in Stand Up for Diversity, which is, I, I'll ask them, have you ever felt like you've been discriminated against? Have you ever been discriminated against in a workplace? So those are two questions that you will find. It's funny. When people are standing up, it's usually the people that feel like, oh, I've never been, dis- I, I've, I've never been discriminated. I, I have everything. But then when I talk about um, being on the outside, I ask them, think about a time. Close your eyes and just think about a time. Think about a time when someone told you that you weren't good enough. Think about a time that someone said that you didn't wear the right clothes. Mm. That um, that they didn't like you because of. And then I tell them my story. 
Um, and I don't mind sharing my story because my story is one in which I went back to school later to get my degrees because I was a single mother. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in a group of professionals and I gave an opinion. And one of them turned to me and said, well, you're not allowed to give an opinion. You only have associate's degree. It, that's barely a degree. Oh so my God. she said this in front of not just me, but a whole room of people. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I was hurt. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, no, you're not a professional because you said it. That's what was in my <laughs> mind, you know, but I also felt like lower than low. Mm-hmm. And those are the, the feelings that I tell people. And then I tell them, when you are thinking about um, that, what is diversity? And you're thinking about what you don't, how you don't include anybody. I want you to think about those emotions. Because if I can bring it away from race, age, and gender and have them yes. think about those times that maybe they were the high waters or they had to wear the hand-me-downs, mm-hmm. and it brings it more to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they start to look within themselves. And, um, but then I also asked them, well, what did, for me, it helped me build tenacity because I went back to school, even as a single mom and started working on all my degrees because I thought no one will ever be able to say that to me again. Yeah. However, I will also tell you, I do not um, hang any degrees in my office because to me, I feel like the most important thing that I've ever had in life and that's made me successful is my experiences. So, um, so I don't really talk about the paper so much. Mm. I have it, but it doesn't matter as much as mm. my experiences. And so exactly. that's how I make it comfortable for people is to talk about what is diversity, what is inclusion. And um, when it talks about the work uh, space, I also talk about um, the salad bowl. Have you guys heard of the salad bowl theory? Not heard no. of the salad bowl theory. You have it. Tell me about the salad yeah. bowl theory. Don't oh. eat salad. What is it? <laughs> So, you know, we have diversity in the workplace. And that was one of the things I talk about, too, is because I tell people, you know, you think about it. If you go to, you have fondue, right? Yep. And you throw Swiss chocolate in and white chocolate in and dark chocolate in and you mix it up. You can't tell the difference of what's in there, mm-hmm. right? Um, you taste it, you dip it. It's just not working for you. But then you have the salad bowl. And um, like, for instance, um, a person in the organization can be the lettuce. Another person can be the onion. Somebody else can be the cucumber. I can be the tomato because for some reason I love being the tomato. But, <laughs> and if you think of the bowl that holds it all as a workplace and you put it all in um, and you take your fork and take a bite, you get to taste every bit of it. Mm-hmm. So, and that is the opinions, the perspectives, um, the experience that people bring to the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so I, all, I think of diversity and inclusion in the workplace as a big salad bowl. But like, what I like to tell people is, is that then when you add salad dressing, the salad dressing is the mission, the vision, the values. Ooh. Touches everybody. Yes. Ooh. And the, the valued principles that you have for the organization. And that's how you move everything forward. So what I like about that is that people can envision it because they know the difference mm-hmm. of when it's a melting pot and what it's like and what is it like as a salad bowl where everybody gets to bring their own flavor. Mm-hmm. To the love that. I love that. Cause I think about like these new, like trendy 
trendy salad plate. There's like 4,000 ingredients in there and it's like the best salad you've ever had in your entire life. You think, right. you know, making a heart healthy choice of having a salad turns out there's 4,000 calories in it, you know? So it's like, I love you that. say that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, the better. Like you, it's, you know, I there's even more. Different direction. Yeah. I, I was thinking, you know, chili bowl haircut. So I thought maybe salad bowl haircut, you know? <laughs> Maybe that's a new thing. I don't know. Not all of us were traumatized by that haircut <laughs> as a child. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, Mimi. Well, good or bad, like it or not, human beings seem to be hardwired to be biased. You said that's fine. It's okay, but no why. Talk to us more about that. Yes. Um, and I think what when we talked about it, I think to me that's your stereotypes, your biases, and your prejudices. And I, I – I think it's funny because you'll always meet people that say, oh, I don't have them, but you do. Yes. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is, number one, is bringing it up to the surface and knowing why you have it. Um, for me, my biggest bias um, is smoking. Mm -hmm. As an HR person, it is very important that I realize that <laughs> um, <laughs> and why I have it. And a lot of people are like, why does it matter? It matters because... Um, Mimi, why do you have these biases? I have these biases because growing up in a household full of smokers, mm -hmm. um, I was sick one time. I was told uh, I had the lungs of somebody of, in their 30s. I was only in my 20s. Mm. So that secondhand smoke had damaged me. Mm -hmm. So I formed a bias and a prejudice towards um, smoke mm -hmm. and people that smoke. Um, it doesn't mean I don't love them. It's just like, I need you to stay away from me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But one of the things that I will say is being an HR person and sitting across from someone and they walk in and they smell like smoke. I have to be able to realize when I judge this person or when I'm interviewing this person, am I building my um, opinion on this person, on their skills, knowledge, and abilities, or am I building on the fact that I know they smoke and I can smell it? Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's being able to separate it. I think that it's okay to understand that um, what are your biases? Why do you have them? What are your stereotypes? But are you open-minded enough to change them? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's funny because I have a lot of respect for Paula Dean. Years ago when she was in court, she admitted, yes, I said this word. Yep. And it was an uproar and people stopped buying her stuff and they shut down her show. And one of the things that people didn't understand was they didn't listen to her because she said, yes, I said it. I don't say it anymore. Years ago, it was something that my granddaddy said, my daddy said, but guess what? She was open enough that yes. in the end that she was able to change her mind, but she was under oath. Yeah. And she sat on the stand and said, yes, I have said that, but I haven't said that in years, but this was my background. This is my culture. Mm -hmm. And, but I've learned now it's best word is not acceptable. Right. And I, that the fact that a person can change their mind and admit that they changed their mind, that they shouldn't be punished for it. Mm -hmm. So that's just my thoughts on, on, uh, people that are I like hard that. work. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, it's so true. It is. Yes. Yeah. Call it out, like own it. And then just, you know, do the work. To, yeah. Yeah. Do the work to kind of release that and, you know, not judge people based on it. And I think you, you have to be willing to be challenged. I think a lot of times people aren't willing to be challenged. No. Right. So. Yeah. 
Well, Mimi, you won me over with your affinity for Disney characters and <laughs> cartoons. What can we learn about diversity and inclusion from characters like Belle and the movie Happy Feet? Um, well, Belle. Hold favorite. on. Let me tell pe- Belle is from Beauty and the Beast. Okay. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny because I love Belle. Mm-hmm. Belle is my absolute favorite. <laughs> Um, cause I think she's the epitome of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people always laugh at me about that, but it's true because you have to envision it. Um, you walk into a place. How do you feel? The story of Belle, you know, she was a daddy's girl and her dad was captive by the beast. And then she went and said, take me, take me. Sorry, I have to act it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she said, take me. And then he took her in exchange for her father because her father was sick so mm-hmm. she let he let him go and bell was there but she hated the beast she knew all the things about him which was that he was mean and she was intimidated by him and she was scared um which like i tell people aren't we that way when we walk into a new environment mm-hmm. meeting people are we not intimidated are we not scared so what bell did is you know she ran away and the beast saved her and even was injured by she mm-hmm. he saved her but more than that she as she nursed him back to health she got to know him and she talked to him and she found the prince inside Mm -hmm. you know because he really was a prince and he was good natured and she could look into his eyes and see all this kindness and that's the one thing i say the other thing that i believe that bell has taught me is that there's good in everyone Mm -hmm. so once i take the time to get past that intimidation and everything that i can find the good in everyone Mm-hmm. But then the final thing that Bell did is um, that I think that more of us need to do is that when we realize the differences, that they really don't matter, mm-hmm. that we need to advocate. Because yes. as she went back to the village, because her dad was really sick, mm-hmm. the villagers kept saying, kill the beast, kill the beast. <laughs> and she was like, no, he's a good person. And she started showing them that she was, he was a good person. And then she ran to tell him. But more than that, she tried to protect him. Mm-hmm. And that if more of us did that, to start saying, no, you're wrong. You're wrong that, that these people aren't this way. Or you're wrong. It's not what you think. Mm-hmm. That um, it would be a better place. Yes. So it's about intimidation, learning, becoming aware, and then advocating. And mm. Belle's story is the best story for it. Mm. She was yeah. also extremely open-minded about talking furniture as well, which also <laughs> I think expands that diversity idea. <laughs> She was open to people and objects of, of all variety. I love her. I love her. <laughs> and um, we talked about Happy Feet. Happy Feet, I look at as an organization. I don't know if you remember Happy Feet. I'm already mm-hmm. dancing. Oh, yeah. I'm already dancing. Because he was the dancer and everybody yeah. else was the singer. But to be honest, with Happy Feet, everyone was the same and they shunned him for it. Mm-hmm. And then I think about the iceberg that started sinking. Mm-hmm. and Happy Feet came in and was dancing and he danced himself away and he ended up beating down the ice so that way they could jump off, all the singers mm-hmm. jump off and it made me think, you know if everybody sung and if this were an organization and everybody had one talent, organization can't move forward, Yep, it's impossible you do need somebody to be different, you need a different talent to come to help move the organization forward. So I feel like for me, um, Disney was the smartest man ever. Mm -hmm. Um, From Fox and the Hound, where he taught Mm -hmm. us that 
we can be friends until somebody I'm tells us not to. <laughs> to <laughs> to Beauty and the Beast. I, I just think that he's incredible. Thank you, Walt. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoy him. So, don't mind Arianne's interjections over here. That's basically her world right now. I'm like, that's all I watch. (laughs) You know what? Don't say that because I'll start singing. I'm about. I'm. This is the show is is about to take a whole new direction right now. I'm everything I can not to bust out in some Beauty and the Beast song. I'm about to bust out in Little Mermaid. He goes, is it dreamy? Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about the little mermaid. <laughs> yeah. Before we go down that route. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, in preparation of this conversation, I was looking uh, through some of my notes and I came across this quote that you had said uh, where you said, It's not about accepting, it's about respecting. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something you do. You've kind of already touched on this, but it's so important that I, I want to talk, I want to circle back and talk about it more. But it's something that's so simple, but really touched us because I feel like this is a space where we sort of fall short as an industry. And I feel like a lot of industries could probably say the same thing, but we're big believers in that you have to nail your internal communication before you can hope to really tell a consistent or compelling story to your customers. And for us, that means the salad dressing, you know, the mission, the core values, all of that. But it's also about making sure going back to something that you've said several times about making your people feel valued. Like the value of water story begins internally. And our people, our internal people, they have to know and understand that they are the main characters in the value of water story. So you kind of already talked about this. We've seen you several times wave to people uh, during this conversation. So what is that one thing that you mentioned you do that make, that ensures that your people feel valued? I think they're from coming into work every day. Yeah, because for me, they could they really could choose to be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And they did choose to be here with us. And that's something that should be recognized. Um, I also tell um, my employees that I'm here for them. Mm -hmm. Um, My job, actually, I have a job because of them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think the opposite. Yeah, I really believe that my job is to be here to support them. I believe in servant leadership. Mm. Um, I believe as long as our employees are doing well, HR itself will do well. Yep. So for me, just being able to say to them, wave to them all the time and say, thank you for coming in. We really appreciate you um, because you could be any place, but you chose to be with us here mm. at Montgomery County. I think it means a lot. And yep. though they may joke around about it, it, it does mean a lot to them or they wouldn't repeat it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Because they'll say it to each other sometimes. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. And then I will tell you that today I was talking to an employee and um, he said, I, I had some issues that were going on. And he said to me, I put you on my church list today. Mm, I said, love it. He said, we're praying for you. He said, I told him you were my sister. So <laughs> I have to say that the fact that an employee says to me that he thought of me because he knew that something was going on mm-hmm. and that he thought of me mm-hmm. enough that he's not at work and he puts me on his prayer list at that's, church. Mm-hmm. That, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So I think um, they know I value them. They know they're uh, valued by the organization. And I also think that they value me too, which, which makes it easier to come to work every day when you know you're coming to that kind of atmosphere. Exactly. Absolutely. It's so important. It's, I can't 
overstated enough how important that is. And, you know, if Ariane and I happen to see some, some of our, not ours because we don't work for utility now, but we consider all of them ours. Mm -hmm. But if we see them out in the field and we'll go and say hi and shake our hands and like we always inevitably during the conversation at some point, thank them for the work that they do. And it gets so awkward because you can tell they've never been told that ever before and they don't know how to respond to it. And so it's just, it's so important. Like people, please thank your people. It's, it's incredibly important. Because let's be honest, they, they're not important until something goes wrong. Yeah. And so we just have to make sure that it doesn't have to be a hot spot for us to say, thank you for your work. Yeah. It's just the fact that you showed up today. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's more than I, I find that um, the biggest reward you can give an employee is appreciation. Mm-hmm. They yeah. even they're not getting the most money if they know yep. they're appreciated. Yeah. And not even on a professional, but just on a personal level, we get so busy and caught up. Like we seldom stop just to say like, I appreciate you. you like, yes. Thank you for just get home too. Yeah. For being here. Yeah. You know, like we don't tell the people closest to us that we value them or appreciate them. So just on a personal level, that's incredibly important. So I wanted to make sure that I think you like even led off with that. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like my last question. But like, I, it was so important that I wanted to make sure I brought, no, don't apologize. I just reiterate it. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, but I am going to let Ariane go into our lightning round. (laughs) Super fast. Okay. <laughs> hey, what's your favorite book right now that you can recommend to us? Um, one of the books I'm reading right now is um, it's called Be More Strategic in Business. It's by Diana Towns. Okay. I received it when I went to a diversity conference. Ah. Um, so that was pretty good. Was this um, the one in Dallas? Yeah, it was the one in Dallas. <laughs> there were some pretty big players at that, at that conference. Yeah, there was. There were some really big players. Um, and, um, but my favorite author is actually Maya Angelou. Ooh, nice. And so, and I think it's because she's so inspiring, powerful, and some of the things that she says, I think I feel it, you know, and and she reminds me every day. So I think the, Maya Angelou is my favorite author, but I'm reading Diana Thomas's book right now. Nice. Yeah. We use one of her quotes and presentation that we do where, you know, people won't remember what you say or do, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Um, And so that's, yeah, we're, we're a fan of that one. Signature on all my emails too. Okay. I can't believe I didn't notice that. I probably did. I forgot. (laughs) So what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Um, for me, it's funny. When I think about my productivity, I'm best when I feel like it's going to affect other people. Mm-hmm. So I have to think, why am I doing this? And then who's going to be affected? Um, and then the other thing I do um, that drives my productivity is I sing. I know that's weird. Ooh, no, no, that's not, not weird at all. <laughs> my boss is like, what are you doing over there? Because <laughs> I was actually, I'm actually singing in my office. And to be honest, um, because it blocks out the world and I just move forward. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the other thing is, so I have this cute little granddaughter, she's four. And so a lot of times, um, I, and even my sons, because even when they're little, that's the way it was, is looking and thinking, why am I doing this? I'm really doing it. So that way my kids have something to be proud of. And I want her to be proud of me too. Mm-hmm. So the better I do, the more I have a chance of making them proud. Yeah. Love it. Um, so in our line of work, we used to have people tell us, you know, what, cause we're trying to drive change, create behavior change and people 
would sometimes push back and say, you know, I'm just one person. What difference does it make if I make a change? Like, I'm just one person. But obviously, we wholeheartedly disagree with that. We believe that change can be contagious and you never know what your actions might inspire in others. And so what is that one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Inclusivity. Mm. I think that um, I think if we take the time to respect other people's opinions, and I, I and I I have to say um, we do not have to agree. Mm. We just need to be able to understand. Yeah. Um, we take so much time disagreeing with everyone that we never take the time to understand them. So sometimes, you know, we have to be quiet for a while, listen to them, let them finish what they were they were saying, and then try to understand. Mm-hmm. And with that, I feel like that promotes inclusivity. Um, the other thing I think that um, a simple thing that we don't do is um, smile at people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a smiler. Yeah. Um, I am also a complimenter. If I see something, you could be walking by. I don't know who you are, but I'm like, oh my gosh, your shoes, girl, I love them. And <laughs> you just never know what yeah. your kind words or what your smile will do. It can make somebody's day. Oh yeah. Somebody that's having a really bad day will say, okay, I am looking good. I'm good to go. And I think um, that's important sometimes. I just want to be kind. And I, I, I don't want to, to peg me as this um, kumbaya type of chick. <laughs> I'm not always kumbaya. Um, but I think that if I can always bring it back around to yeah. why I'm doing something and the kind and being kind to others, I think that for me, um, that's the way actually we can change the world. In in reality, I really think that it only takes one person. If mm-hmm. it takes one person just to stand up and say no, to advocate, then other people will be strong enough to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. You just have to be able to say no mm-hmm. and smile and say, no, we like this person. Let's include them as well. So. In the last episode of season two, which was episode 61 that we did with um, a friend of ours, George Hawkins, uh, it was kind of about how I have this really strong belief that water has the potential to save the world, not in the obvious like water is life sense, but just um, that it can be the catalyst for community transformation. And when I talk to people like him and when I talk to people like you who have the energy and the passion and the vibe and the ideas um, and just the empathy that, that you have, like you, you're definitely included in that, in that bubble of people that I feel like can really make that a reality. And so um, so excited to have had this conversation with you and to have spent this time with you today. Yes. Thank you oh, so thank much. You. I appreciate it. I hope we get to hang out in real life again. You need to come back to another water conference so we yes. can hang out again. Oh, that's perfect. I'll tell them that. Yes. I tell them that all the time. I need to go to more conferences. Yes. And let's go to a karaoke and sing all Disney Ooh, songs. yeah, all Disney that's songs. That's cool. You have a date. <laughs> well, again, thank you, for, uh, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Yes. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, 
Those who tell the stories rule the world.